This broadcast is sponsored by Summit Bible College. Welcome to the Summit Show. This is your host, Kaylin Hashem. I hope that you guys are all doing well. I have Dr. Dwayne Cantrell in the studio with me today. If you listened last week, you know that this is a continuation of the last broadcast. If you missed last week, you can access it on the Summit Show through various platforms on podcast, um, Anchor, iTunes, Google Podcasts. So we hope you'll listen because like I said, this is a continuation of the first conversation that we had. So, so excited to be here with you. As I've said several times, there's so much I'm learning about you. I've known you for many years. Uh, Summit Bible College is the sponsor of this show. And so I am one of the leaders at the Bible College and Dr. Dwayne, who's with me now, is a graduate and a professor of Summit. So, and a board member. And a board member. Right. Yes. So you are an educator. What is your position? So you work for uh, Cal State Bakersfield, but you're also a pastor. So what exactly do you do at Cal State Bakersfield? So I am the Associate Vice President of Enrollment Management and Chief Enrollment Officer of our campus at Cal State Bakersfield. And what my role is, my role is to help students get in. um, And and I oversee 14 departments that help students get in school, stay in school, and graduate from school. Um, And I help to do all things to to remove barriers and hurdles for students to be able to be successful. So you meet with students too? Um, Every now and then I'll meet with students, but typically I have staff who meet with students. You have peasants who do that for you? I'm just kidding. (laughs) We have have minions. We have have many minions on our campus. No. (laughs) No, I, I am but a lowly servant myself. Uh, but, we, but no, we have lots of people who help people. But if, if somebody gets to me, that means they're really having a hard time with something. So wow. you, and so I'm always happy to help do, do whatever I can do. That is so cool. So we talked last broadcast about your birthing into the ministry and how God really called you to conquer both mountains, so to speak. Like he's called you to education, secular education, and he's called you to the church. What a cool thing to consider that you have an anointing for both. Um, God is so gracious. Like you said, there's so much grace on your life. Um, some people listening today, they're maybe can identify, they can identify with you in that others are listening today and they're like, maybe they need to surrender to the first call. (laughs) Maybe people that are listening are struggling with what does it even look like to surrender to the call of God? And how do you know, um, you alluded to an experience that you had at a revival in your church where you felt the call of God come on your life. I have an experience like that as well. And mine wasn't even when I was fully surrendered to Christ. So that's very interesting. Mm -hmm. I, um, I think that some people think, you know, that these gifts get poured over you when you're quote unquote righteous and worthy being that you're a Christian and he gives you all these good things when you're a Christian. But I have to say, I mean, Christ was showering his grace upon me when I wasn't even looking for him and he was seeking after me. And I have to say that, like, I recognize when I wasn't even fully surrendered to Christ, I was still smoking weed every day. Like I was, I was, I was not in the healthiest of places, but I know that there was a light that I was following and that I could see Christ. And, you know, like you had talked about your wife, Angel, inviting you to church when you guys were just dating. And I had a similar experience where a friend invited me to church and I had kind of like dipped in church before and, but I wasn't raised in a, in a Christian home either. And I was raised by a single mom, um, who was a top producer. My mom is one of the most successful loan officers even now in this community. So she's a businesswoman and she raised us kids, four kids on her own. And I was like, I was lovesick. I was starving for affection. And I had a lot of issues because my dad was mentally ill growing up. He wasn't in my life. And I had a fatherlessness issue, which I know you can also identify with as well, which, 
I must have missed that in your story, but your father, your father passed away when you were like 14 years old. A week before my 14th birthday. And so you talk last broadcast. I do encourage you to listen to last broadcast about like navigating life fatherless. And that's incredible because you're a man. So it's different mm-hmm. for a man. Um, talk about that for a second. Yeah. So it, it's, it was different. So I had, so, you know, I had my dad, my mom and dad divorced when I was about five or six or something. I can't do, I can't give you the date cause they didn't tell me. So one day when my dad traveled, he was a, a businessman, whatever he traveled. And, and one day he just didn't come back. And so I'm like, is he coming back or when's dad coming home? It was one of those types of things like, oh, well, he's not coming home. So I didn't get that talk that you see on television of let me sit you down. You know, this is we're going to get divorced. It was none of that. He just wasn't there. And then he would pick me up to come visit or take me away or, you know, take me on trips. And he became my Disneyland dad. So he was the Disneyland dad. He was the dad that he would come and swoop me up and I'd hang out and we'd have fun and go to amusement parks and he'd buy me stuff and then drop me back off. And my mom did the real work. That's why I I hated my mom and loved my dad. Right. Because she was the disciplinarian and she was struggling and she had it hard because she was single mom and all that kind of stuff. So it it was it was tough because um, and and, and what I talk about in my book and some things I didn't talk about is that how I grew up. So, you know, the way that my parents met and both my parents have, have died. So I'm not dishonoring their, 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 their images or anything, but the way they met my, my mom, my dad met my mom because she was his assistant at work. And so he had a family and all that. He left his family for my mom. So, so he had two, two kids, two sons and a daughter and a family. And then he meets my mom. He divorces his wife marries my mom and then has me and he has me. He has two sons. Remember I said that, right? He has me and then gives me his name. His name is Evans Wayne Cantrell. He named me after him. So now I have kind of this sort of tension with my other sibling and they've always been good to me. We've always been like, there's always been kind of this distance a little bit, but they've always been cool with me. They've always been good with me. But as I got older, I got to see, man, this must've been really hard on y'all. And then my mother was also hurting and all of that. And so she was, my mother was pretty rough. So, so that's why, you know, that, that were you an only child from your mom and dad? I was, I'm the only child from my, from both parents. Right. So you're the and first so my born, mother, yeah, my mother had a son as well and he was struggling drugs, all that kind of stuff. So I dealt with a whole lot of abuse growing up, a lot of abuse growing up from him, from him, from my mother, from, I just dealt with a lot, a lot of abuse growing up. So I, I hated being in my house. Couldn't wait till I turned 18. And that was one of my motivations for going to college and playing sports and doing all that kind of stuff. But so, so when I lost my dad, it wasn't, it wasn't like, it was weird because it wasn't like I lost this, this man who was like this in my image, life all the time image, yeah. because he, again, he was Disneyland. He would come in once a month or on holidays. I'd see him. I loved him dearly, but I didn't really have like a consistency like that. Um, and so I, so the men that I had were coaches and, you know, people in the community, that kind of thing, that were kind of the men. But I really didn't have like that, that consistent one leadership. Exactly, exactly. So it was tough. And so for me, because of how my parents met, and because of that, and then my dad had woman after woman after woman, and, and so he, he was kind of a womanizer. Totally, totally womanizer. And the women he was with knew he was a womanizer. So I mean, it was just the stories that you hear is like he just had and, and he had an actress that was a, an actress on television and we would go to visit and I'm a little kid and, you know, I, I'd see them and they'd, they'd go away for a while and leave me with some cookies and cartoons and they'd come back and he's like, all right, let's go. 
And so I didn't know this when I was a kid, but I, I, I had I struggled with addiction um, and I had sexual addiction when I was a very, very young age. Very, very, very young age. Because you were exposed to things. I was exposed to that drugs. That no kid should be exposed to. I was exposed to drugs when I was seven years old. I think I smoked weed for the first time when I was seven years old. But according to your I, book, I, you never really got super into drugs, though, No, right? drugs wasn't really my thing. Alcohol really wasn't my thing. And I was exposed to all of it. In fact, and this is how I know that I'm sidebar a little bit. This is how I know God's grace was on my life. I can tell you the story to this day. I remember my brother. My brother was my brother was like a, a black Jimi Hendrix, right? He, he was like a... From your mom's side or your dad's side? From my side? mom's side. Okay, so, so he, he was, lived with you guys? Yeah, so, okay. he, so we lived together. My, my, my dad and his kids were... He, my dad left. His kids were with his mom, yeah, with, with their, their mom. mom, right? And so, so here's my brother in the house. He was like a Jimi Hendrix. He was a black stoner. We lived in Oakland. We lived in the hills, you know, and he was like the only black dude that was a stoner. So he had like this afro and this army jacket and these, you know, this, these moccasin boots that came up to his knees and just the, <laughs> you can see the image, right? And so, so here's, here's my brother, the, the black stoner, right? So, How much I mean, older is he than you? Seven years. Oh. And so he would cut school and he'd come home and have these parties. And my mother was working, single mom, working all day. So he would have these parties. And so if I were home, he'd have these parties. And they oh, little brother's here. It's like, is, is he going to narc on us? That means for those who are not old, that means he's going to tell on us. It's like, nah, he's cool. And cool means that I'll get high, too. Or you can get me drunk and I'm, I'll act funny and do all that kind of stuff, too. So I was exposed to that. But here's the story. I remember distinctly, and I can remember this like it was yesterday. I think I was about oh my nine, maybe nine years old. And I remember um, maybe 10 years old. And I remember, you know, partying going on. And I was in this I was in one of the bedrooms and I'm just sitting there and they brought out the mirror and it had cocaine lines. No on it. way. And they were like, hey, man, you hey little man, you want some? And I and I was down with anything. Right. And I took the straw. I put it to my nose and something stopped me. And I just said, no, nah, I'm cool. And I gave I gave him the straw. It came that close. Years later, obviously, I knew that was the Holy Spirit stopping me. And so I tell people all the time when they say, no, you have to be this to have the Holy Spirit. I, said, I, I know for a fact in, in him, he may not have been in me, but he was he was around me and God was on me. God was watching over me and protecting me. And you can't tell me otherwise. That's what I'm saying. That's kind of what I was talking about just a moment ago before I pass the mic to you. Wow. I learned so much more about your story, but I, I feel the same way. Like I had moments where the Holy Spirit was speaking to me loud and clear. Yeah. And, you know, I was so convicted about smoking weed because that was something that I did for like five years because I had such bad social anxiety and different things that I was so challenged with, like just in my own sense of security. And so I feel like that was like my crutch. Um, I started when I was like 15 or probably 14 was my first experience. And then I smoked until I was 19 or yeah, right to when I turned 19, then I started to Christ. But I remember when I was in church, so I started going to church, I started hearing the voice of God. I remember I started opening the Bible, right? When I'm like, right when I turned 19, I call it my redemption year. Mm -hmm. I opened the Bible and I knew that the Lord's word was real. I, I was like, this is real. Mm -hmm. Um, but it took me a minute to fully surrender. But I remember I felt so convicted about smoking weed. And what the Lord showed me is that it was one of the last times I ever smoked it. He was like, um, convicting me and I smoked it anyway. And he allowed me 
to feel what life would feel like without his Holy Spirit. And I feel like I had a hell encounter in the respect of like, I got high and I had been smoking for, like I said, five years prior to that, have never had a bad trip or Mm -hmm. anything. It wasn't like it was laced with anything. It was just marijuana. Mm -hmm. I know it was just marijuana, but I had this experience where God took his spirit. Like he removed his spirit Mm -hmm. from my, from my experience in that time. And it was the darkest, most evil. Like I, I felt life, without Christ. And it was terrifying. And so I also agree with you. Like I wasn't fully even like surrendered at that point. I was leading into it, but like God's presence is with all of us. Like he, he has breathed his life. Like the candle of the Lord is in all of us, whether you're a Christian or not, you know what I'm saying? Like if your spirit needs to be regenerated, you need to come to Jesus Christ and be regenerated and be born again because your spirit died in the garden of Eden. It needs to be born again. But the candle of the Lord is still in people is in everybody. And you know, if we take that for granted, it's pretty terrifying when we learn what it's like without it. And so for me, like I had a couple of spiritual insights into that experience. Like I I saw some stuff in the spiritual realm, like with my own eyes, like, and it wasn't just because I was high. Like I said, it was real. And the Lord was like, you're opening yourself up to the demonic realm when you do this. Like you are opening yourself up. And that was enough for me to like fully surrender because, you know, I think that sometimes we think like, oh, what's the big deal? Like I'll watch a little bit of porn. It's a big deal. Or I'll smoke weed or I'll get drunk. Like, but what we do is we open up the door for the devil to come into our life, into, into our minds, into wreck havoc inside of our minds. I mean, even like, like having certain television shows playing, you know, like there's a show Yellowstone that everybody likes. That show's evil, dude. Like there's so much evil stuff in that show and it's so addicting. Like it really is addicting. I watched like a lot of it um last year and then I just said, "You know what? This is done. I'm done." Like because I started having bad dreams and I started f- having all these like obsessive compulsive thought patterns and it's just like we have to obey him. We have to surrender to him fully in the respect of like he is protecting us. And when Christ says that we're opening up a door, like he's showing us that for a reason because he wants us to be guarded. Like like it says in scripture, like he wants the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of the heart of our hearts. Right. He right. wants that spirit of death to go over our door, not to come into our door. Mm-hmm. And so amazing. So then you're exposed so, so to all this, yeah. Exactly. So now so now so picture this this kid who's exposed to the drugs and the partying and all that. Now imagine just party house, party house and everything going on. So the drugs didn't stick. The alcohol didn't stick, but there was sex everywhere and I would see it. I mean, I, I, there was literally a time I told my, my therapist this as I got older. Um, he said, you know, just describe what you, the things you saw. And I said, I actually saw, you know, my brother, again, this is my brother on my, on my mother's side. I actually saw acts right in front of me that I was watching as a, young. as a, as a child. Right. And I'm, I'm talking not even a teen, a preteen. In fact, before I was 12 years old. Right. And I'm watching. And again, you know, he's doing his thing, whatever. And I'm just here. Um, and so I'm, but I'm it watching. wired you, it, it wired me and, and it hit something and I would see things and hear things and, and do all that when I was a young, young age. And so quickly that that lit up in me like a Christmas tree. I mean, it was just that I, I, I desired I had desires in me at an age that was far too young. And when I had kids, I'm like, man, I was your age when I was doing this or when I saw no this. Way. Or, Isn't it heartbreaking? Or when these things happened to me, right? I, I, I was a kid and, and it is very heartbreaking. So, so when you talk about failure um, and you talk about some of the things I experienced, you know, I, I grew up and I'm not in Christ, I'm not in church. And I was just a man's man. I thought this is what you were supposed to be as a man. So, you know, I go in, I'm an athlete 
And so, you know, athletes get attention. I get into high school. I'm chasing the girl. They call it chasing girls, right? And then, you know, I start to get a, a little physique and I start to look a little different and girls start, you know, you know. Taking you seriously. And then, and then, right. And then so I get to college and then it was just a madhouse when I get to college because it was like, you know, it was, everything's everywhere. At that time, it was already your identity. It was your identity. That's it. Yeah. This is this you're is a what, womanizer. You're a ladies is, man. This is what makes me a man. And, and, it, and it's accepted because it's in this world and whatever. Right. And then I move. I transfer from San Jose from Long Beach to San Jose State and I lived in a fraternity house. Oh. Oh, goodness. And turn turn up the notch. Of right. Anything you could ever imagine was was just there. It's just it's just crazy. And so but again, it's just and in fact, I can talk to people today who are not in Christ and they'll say, well, yeah, you were just being a man. And like for me, it's like I couldn't not do it. I couldn't not whether it was by myself or with other people. I couldn't not do it. So this was a big addiction. It was. It was. It was an addiction from a very early age. And I'm not just saying addiction. Addiction because you know you cheated on a girlfriend or whatever. And it did lead to infidelity in my marriage. And it did lead to all kinds of stuff that that happened. And it was. And and it had to. I had to get broken from that. And I, I'm in ministry. And it's happening because I, I can't I can't control it, you know. So speak on that. Get into ministry now on air because there's people listening today yep. that are in your that are in the shoes that you were in. So speak to that. Minister to their hearts right now. So one, the the, the gifts of the spirit are, are without repentance, right? And so you can be completely gifted and charismatic. In fact, I'll tell you this: um, God, when God calls you, He calls you as you are to use those things that you've been using in a dysfunctional way for his glory. Right. So one of the things I could always do is I could always talk. I could, I could be a charmer. I can do those kinds of things. You probably don't even recognize that, but (laughs) (laughs) no, but I mean, but I can be a charmer. I can put on the smile. I can do all that, but I'm total Jekyll and Hyde back then. Right. It's like, I know how to charm you. I'm almost like a snake charmer. I can charm you into doing what I want you to do and then manipulate you into doing what I want and I can get what I want. And then and then I'm done. Right. Or I may keep you around. I don't know. But it's all this mission thing. So it was a motive of heart. Your heart was impure, very impure. And so the same thing happens when you. this is the thing that this is why I believe being a pastor. This is why I believe a lot of pastors get in trouble because your gifting that you have is is the same gifting that you use to manipulate people. Wow. So the gifting that I can have that I can I can preach the word and I can draw people to me and if I'm in counseling I can get your heart and I can capture your heart and draw you to me in a dysfunctional place, that's where things get messed up. And I, and I and I know that space. And so you you can get there and that's why that happens because there there has to be how do you get out of it? There has to be a breaking. And when I say a breaking, I don't I don't mean like a you got caught and you feel bad. I mean a breaking of God broke me. I mean God shattered. God shattered me. And so I get emotional when I start talking about this kind of stuff. So 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 God had to bring me to this place where there were constant warnings like, okay, I, I'm get some help on this. I'm with you on this. I'm not gonna leave you, but you need to correct this. I'm I'm trying to tell you, get some help on this. And I didn't. And I mean, shattered me to a million pieces. And so when you're in this place of just being shattered, like there's nothing left and saying, "Okay, God, where where now? What now? And he says, "Okay, now I have your attention. And as I have your attention, what's that? Are you willing to surrender to me now? Will you do what I ask you to do? And so it's like, all right. So I did the counseling and I did my thing and 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 I and I, I went into this whole new space. 
And so I had to change my habits, had to change the people I was around, had to change my, my friends and my circle who, who's pouring into me and not just have Christians who are buddy, buddy Christians, but have some men in my life who were soldiers. And I had to have that piece. It was it was mandatory. I had to have accountability. I had to have all those things. Right. And then even still, there's stuff that keeps popping up because you're talking about addiction. You're talking about mad addiction. And so it's it's not like a like I said, it's not like a you got caught and you feel bad. I'm talking about deep, deep, deep addiction. And, and you can't let your foot off the gas. Wow. So you have had mentorship in your life for many to, years. And I still do. Or accountability I partners. I have to. And I have a I have a so I have a church now that's an independent church. We're not part of a denomination, but I have a pastor and I've identified somebody to be my pastor, Pastor Rob Haddam. In your and church? He doesn't go to our church. Oh. I I found him at a men's conference and we hit it off and he's been my pastor for years now. I have to speak on that. Yes, Pause. Yes. Because I have to speak on that. There's so much that you're saying, and I love it. And thank you for sharing this because this is ministering to people. Give me all emotional here. (laughs) No, God is using that. Not a lot of people have what you just spoke about because they're the ones that are in charge. The pastors that are heading up the church, they don't have somebody who's who's their apostle. They don't have somebody who's overseeing them. And I remember that about you. Many years ago, you had talked about this gentleman, Larry Titus. He became like a father to you. And I didn't even know I didn't even know that your dad died when you were 14 at that time when you were telling me this. I didn't understand the the necessity of having spiritual fathership over your life was. I think we should all have spiritual fathership. You know, Dr. Victor is my spiritual father. He's like my dad, you know. Um, and, and, Larry, and Larry Titus is like dad. So so Pastor Rob is like pastor, mentor. He'll check me on stuff. He'll He'll do that. Larry was was brought in my life at a time. He was like he was dad. He's he'll hug you and you'll just melt. He'll talk to you like a son. That's his his. So gifting. you're saying it's different. His true gifting is is a, is to be a father. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he fathers, and it's just an amazing thing that that you don't even realize. So God has placed special people yes. in your life, yes. and you're not unique in that. Yeah, He has done that for all of us. Right. But we have to, here's what you know and what I know. We have to run after it. You have to because, run after it. Because yeah. one thing I'll tell you is there's a lot of people who are fatherless and there's a lot of people who are alone and they, they stay that way. And then all sorts of stuff starts to happen. Dysfunction. I mean, I know people who have become like mentally ill because of it. That's how serious we're talking about when they alienate themselves so much because they don't have a, a context of what family should be. They don't have a context of what a father or mother should be. They're alone and they alienate themselves and they don't submit. They don't have any context for what true godly submission is. Submission is a beautiful thing. You know, you've, I would assume you've read, I feel like you have based on what you're talking. And if you haven't, you need to read it. But Tale of Three Kings. Have oh, you I read that? I haven't read that. That book is mind blowing. I have, you have to read it because David was special in that he was a broken man. Why? Because he was, he was crowned. I know you can identify with David. He was crowned as the king, the future king, or not crowned, anointed as the future king when he was like 16 years old, didn't occupy the palace until he was in his 30s. But he was under Saul's leadership for all that time. And Saul was trying to kill him. Saul was throwing spears at him. He fled. He let, left and went to go live in caves. Like, talk about the school of brokenness. If anybody has been through the school of brokenness, it's David. Right? right, and God in that book, he talks about how God doesn't want like you know we talk about praying for power in this book. He talks about that. He's like so many people pray for power, but like God wants broken people. Right, and he goes over the three kings. It's Saul, David, and Absalom. 
So that book is amazing. For those of you who are listening today, I really encourage you to read that. But Dr. Dwayne, what you're saying really goes into that. And I just love that you're differentiating these different types of leaders in your life that are special to different, like, areas of your heart that are needed and honestly like I've had to tell people so many times that I love that I'm you know friends of mine or people that I'm ministering to like you need spiritual fathership you need like to come into a church that has a family environment that really understands that church is about setting up family church is about really creating an opportunity for people to experience God's design for family and there's not even a lot of let's be honest like I don't want to say there's not a lot of churches like that because there is, but people's experience with church, Dr. Dwayne, isn't like that all the time. Right. Do you right. know what I mean? Yeah, and I yeah. feel like what makes your church, we only have four minutes. I feel like we could go another two broadcasts, but what makes your church so special, and we do have to get into that, is that you have created a church where I believe not just multicultural, but you want that family atmosphere to be there. Well, I think it's two things. We, we're, we're a healing church as well. And, and I don't say that, you know, a lot of churches do that, but that's our, that's our, that's our thing. We love and we heal and we want people to be whole when they, when they come out. And so, and that's why I, I don't think we'll be a mega church because of that, because people don't really want that. And so when, when I talk about, you know, falling and then getting help and all that kind of stuff, well, I thought I was good and I'm great. And I don't need to do this anymore. And I fell again. And it's like, no, this, this has to be a lifelong pro. It, it isn't a one and done. And I think sometimes, and especially as men, it's like, okay, I talked to somebody. I'm good now. It's like, no, you're never good. Because I'm never good. Dwayne is never good, ever. So I'm, I'm a, only Christ is good. And if, if Christ is in me and I'm walking with him and walking with accountability and walking with purpose, then, then I'm good because of him. But I'm never good on my own, ever. Wow. And I, I will never be good on my own. And so that's something that we have to embrace. And so as we go into this ministry and we talk about church, church is more than singing songs and lifting our hands and doing that. That's all great. And singing to God, that's all great. But when my feet hit the road and I'm lonely or I'm tired or I'm anxious or I have all these things going on in my life, where's the real God now? Where's my real faith now when I have to walk it out? I can't do that on my own. And so when we talk about going to church, you know, Angel has her group, her women's group. Half the people in that group don't go to our church because a lot of churches don't have ministries where it's like, all right, sit down. We're going to really do some hard work of healing processes and growth processes and dealing with some ugly stuff and pulling it apart and working it out because God is really trying to get the best of us and we can't be the best if we're not healed. So anyway, so those are some of the things that we look at. So this whole life after failure thing is failing time after time after time and saying, God, forgive me, I failed again. It's like, so what are you going to do about it? There, there are some things that we can do to overcome this, and we cannot do it on our own. Dr. Jane Kentrell, I have the utmost respect for you as a leader, more than I ever did. And that's saying a lot because I've always honored you as a leader. But I am so thankful that you took your opportunity and the time out of your busy life to come in here today and to speak to men who are struggling and men who need um, to be surrounded by leadership. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, if you're listening to this today, that the Lord would start to highlight people in your life right now that he is calling you to be in family with, that he's calling you to submit to, that he's calling you to allow uh, them to love you. I really believe that God is speaking over people today and showing you that he's created people to love you, to help you, to father you, even if they're not in your immediate family, that the Lord speaks um, a calling over people in a spiritual way and they call, they're call they called to lead spiritually. Um, I'm just honored. Um, you can find his book, Life After Failure, Overcoming the Hurdles to Your Success on Amazon. Um, Dwayne Cantrell, Dr. Dwayne Cantrell, what an honor it is. And um, 
like I said, I just have so much respect for, for you, for your church, for everything that you're doing. I want you to teach again at the Bible College, Happy and I would it. love um, to have you do that. You The last time you taught, it was a leadership class online, yes. but we're doing in-person stuff now. I'm in. So um, I just would love that, and um, so I'll keep you in contact with that. Um, if you're listening today uh, and you're thinking about Bible College, I strongly encourage you to look up some at BibleCollege.com. We equip Christian leaders to help those in need. So if you're listening to this stuff and maybe it encouraged you to recognize that you have a calling on your life. Well, you need to fan that into flames. God is asking you to surrender that to Him. So I pray that you have guidance on that. Visit us on our website at SummitBibleCollege.com and uh, God bless you guys. Have a great day. This broadcast is sponsored by Summit Bible College.